0: Welcome to South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus. Chris McCarthy will be back on Friday, but now I am joined by Ted Nisi of WPRI. Hey, Ted, how are you? Hey, Marcus. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on. So um, we, we had a primary last night. Um, we sure did. <laughs> yeah. So let's let's start from the top of the ticket and go down. Obviously, Moore Healy uh, was uh, unopposed, although Sonia Chang-Diaz did get 15% of the votes uh, in that primary, which I thought was interesting. Uh, but um, Jeff Deal beat Chris Doty. Uh, I, I thought some of the momentum went in Doty's favor, but Deal had a really strong polling lead pretty much the entire can- uh, election Um, season, but you would notice that there was one particular region uh, in the Commonwealth that was uh, responsible for Jill's victory.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, I didn't run the numbers to see, you know, exactly where his biggest pluralities came, you know, when you look statewide, but boy, he did very well in Bristol County. He did uh, 57 percent uh, Doughty did, uh, Doughty, excuse me, did 43%. And then over, if you look in Plymouth County, which of course is where Deal is from, he yeah. got 66% wow. of the votes. So <laughs> Southeastern Massachusetts, yeah, a really important uh, part of Deal victory because you saw other parts of the state where um, Chris Doughty, you know, held him pretty close. Out in Worcester County, it was 51-49. Um, so I-, I was surprised, Marcus, because I thought, you know, frankly, Jeff Deal—he's been on the scene for a while. He had this, has the support of President Trump, who, of course, is such a force in Republican politics. Um, and you know, we've seen the Republicans have kind of rejected Charlie Bakerism. And while I know, you know, people say Cristo is a bit more conservative than Baker, he's he was certainly more Bakerish than Deal. Sure. Um, and yet, it turned out there were a lot more Republican voters out there in Massachusetts looking uh, open to somebody like that. Uh, and they weren't necessarily rushing to deal. Uh, you know, I think this is a bit of a weaker showing for deal than I expected, even though, of course, he is now the nominee. Uh, I do wonder if uh – Howie Carr's late endorsement of Doty—I thought that was fascinating um, because not necessarily who I would have expected Howie Carr to go to—and right. you know, in a Republican primary, that kind of big endorsement can make a difference.
0: Yeah, no, I, I know when that came in, I, I thought it was interesting because Howie's been so friendly with Trump. I mean, I think they're personal friends. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, but it, I think it didn't. I, I think it did help him a little bit because Deal had like a thirty-point lead in all of the polls, yep. and and I think the the lead the final uh, lead ended up being ten points. So, do you think that? I mean, it's 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 widely believed by a lot of people that Doty had a better chance to beat Jeff. I mean, uh, to beat More Healey. But I'm wondering if the Republican Party just doesn't care. They want to elect somebody that's more aligned with their principles.
1: Well, I think I, th- I think that a couple ways. I think first of all, definitely, you know, in the end, and I don't care whether it's you know. Sometimes the Democrats in some places will nominate someone who's not going to win the general because they like them better. And sometimes the Republicans do it, too. So there's certainly some of that. But I also think, frankly, you know, it was not at all clear to me anyway that Doty would run that much stronger against Mark I mean, we're seeing. She has like a 30-point yeah. polling it's lead true. over both of them. Yeah. And all that money, we've already heard the Republican Governors Association indicate they're not going to invest money in Massachusetts yeah, this I year. I never want to say, you know, it's over till it's over, and I certainly don't want to bury the deal campaign on the, you know, day after the primary. But I think even Nate, I, I assume, would admit that he is a heavy, heavy underdog against Maura Healy. Um, and, you know, he needs her to... Frankly, to probably to screw up a bit in the next couple of weeks, maybe take some unpopular stances. And frankly, again, it's Massachusetts. I have to think he needs Donald Trump not to do too much for Jeff Deal and be too present in the race. Unless something's really changed in Massachusetts, that has not been a winner in recent years in the Bay State.
0: Yeah, the way I had seen it is, I think Doty was trying to. Doty pivoted to a general election strategy while Deal was trying to win the uh the 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 republican primary which i guess worked Mm -hmm. the lieutenant governor's race though between campanelli and leah cole allen has that been called yet
1: you know i was wondering the same thing just before we came in there i said i gotta check that i'm looking yes the ap has called that for leah allen okay uh i'm looking at the numbers now they called it about 10 a.m this morning i see now but it, it hadn't been done for the overnight news but that was a close one 52 to 48
0: Okay. All right. That's interesting. So there was, a, I guess, a slight possibility of a cross-ticket um, right. uh, primary election. So on the Democratic side, uh, Lieutenant Governor um, Kim Driscoll won and won pretty easily. Not No surprise there. Um, I think she was a strong you know, candidate.
1: A strong candidate? You know, the other thing I was thinking, you know, you saw more Haley last night say, uh, you know, it's already historic to have a ticket with two women on it, leading uh, yeah. the the ticket in Massachusetts, and you know I th- I think you can't underestimate, based on everything we've seen in recent months, how powerful uh, the you know women's vote, the activism women are feeling. I mean, yeah. it reminds me of the early part of Trump's term with the women's march, right. and then uh, what we saw in twenty eighteen. Ever since the Dobbs decision overturning Roe v. Wade, you've seen you know record numbers of women registering in some states. And so I think it is just an extremely – I've heard this from political professionals – it is just an extremely powerful thing in Democratic Party politics in this day and age to be a female candidate. There is a hunger for more – women in leadership, and I think that was not saying by any means that's the only reason Kim Driscoll won, but I do think that was a bit of extra momentum she had that Eric Lesser couldn't counter.
0: Yeah, I mean, she's just... You know, Chris and I had her in studio a couple weeks ago. She's just, I think, very impressive uh, on her own. But, yeah, it is the first time in, in U.S. history that there's a, a unified uh, woman ticket for governor and lieutenant governor. And now it's – I so that means it's got to be the first time that there's been a straight ticket of uh, yeah. entirely uh, in, women entirely for these constitutional offices.
1: Yeah, and I think, um, you know, the other thing is, uh, you know, whether it's Kim Driscoll in this race – I know we'll talk about probably briefly Diana DeZaglia winning yeah. – in the auditor race, which wasn't that expected. We both know, Marcus, you know, you and I are political junkies. We can we can tell you a little biography of every person on the ballot by the primary day. There's plenty of voters who go in there, ready to vote for maybe Maura Healy. Maybe they were coming in for Andre Campbell or Shannon Lewis yeah. Reardon. And then they're faced with all these names they really aren't super familiar with. And, again, without downplaying anyone's victory, sometimes it comes down to, I think I want a woman in this election or uh, (laughs) that last name sounds good or I think I've heard of them or I saw a sign for them. So I sometimes think in these lower profile races, we can almost overinterpret how much it was the candidate or the quality of their campaign. And it it can also be just voters going in. and, And that's that name sounded good to them that day. And they were really voting on other races.
0: Yeah, no, that that's that absolutely happened. Ballot fatigue's a thing too. There's a lot of ballots that are mm-hmm. blanked. You know, I was just looking at the Metapoiset returns today, and there were yeah. so many. There's so many votes that were blanked uh, in a lot of these uh, local races. Yeah, let's actually talk about Andrea Campbell and Shannon Rudin. Um so I think you said it pretty well. Shannon liss Rudin spent a lot of money to lose by that much.
1: Oh, oh my God! <laughs> I mean, I, I just you know I. I can't get over, honestly, the level of Lisa Kaczynski up at Politico. I can't remember the figure off the top of my head, but this was over double the amount spent by all the attorney general candidates in Massachusetts yeah. in 2014, just by Shannon Litz-Reardon at Wealth, over $9 million of her own money. And she's losing right now as the, as the final returns come in. Andrea Campbell now topped 50%. She's at 50.3%. Channel is reared way back at 34%. Wow. So, I mean, it's a good reminder, too, for all the concerns about money and politics. If the voters aren't buying what you're selling, you can buy another million dollars of ads. It's not going to do it unless yeah. something goes into those ads that, that changes their minds. You've got to have a – in can and frankly, you've got to have opponents that are ready to leave. And I think Andrea Campbell uh, was appealing. You know, she's making history as well as the first – Uh, along with the Republican Secretary of State candidate, the first uh, black woman to be at the top of a ticket like this in Massachusetts. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I do think, you know, I obviously work in the Providence New Bedford TV market, so I see all the ads that are on our air markets. And, boy, Shannon Liz Reardon, I thought she was running for governor of Rhode Island sometimes. She was running airwaves so much down here. And she did win quite a few places in in Bristol County. She split the cities. Uh, I believe two two, uh, went to... Campbell, and two went to Liz Reardon. So she might have seen some payoff there, but I don't think she could overcome Campbell's strength in the Boston area.
0: Yeah, that's – I mean – that's where she, she did get some uh Liz reading did get some some support down here from uh from former mayor scott lang and and tony cabral but i, I know campbell got some support from uh our, our local um city councilors but yeah boston's where you know and i think that's a, a big a reason why she went to boston's where the 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 treasure trove of votes are there's higher turnouts mm-hmm. in the suburbs and boston itself is where most of the people are and and not to mention more healy spent Pretty much all of her time during this primary for the last like two through mm-hmm. two months campaigning for her.
1: That is a great point. Uh, you're absolutely right. And look, we see how popular more Healy is in her own primary here yeah. in the polling for the general election. So having her as basically your running mate uh, for Andrea Campbell the last couple of weeks that's no small thing. I also noticed, you know, Liz Reardon on in her paid media, at least in the in the uh, Greater New Bedford area in Providence, New Bedford, I never saw her make a case against Andrea Campbell, right? right? You know, and as much as people say, oh, I hate negative ads. Look, if you're not drawing a contrast and your positive case to yourself isn't getting you across the finish line, you better find some way to say, well, here's some things you might not like about the other person yeah. you're currently thinking about going for. She never did that, despite spending all that money on paid media. It, it can be dicey in a primary to go negative, obviously, because there was blowback until last week. There was a third candidate, but... You know, I do wonder if the Liz Reardon people are going to think, well, you know, maybe we should have taken the fight to Campbell a little more than we did, uh, considering where we wound up.
0: So Chris and I had... Uh Andrea camp on Monday we had Andrea Campbell on at eight o'clock. She talked for a bit about what she was, you know, her her platform, but then she did hit Liz Reardon on on spending mm-hmm. her own money and self funding. I know her campaign manager compared Liz reardon to Mike Bloomberg and Tom Steyer. <laughs> yeah. And then <laughs> and so then I brought that up to Shannon Liz Reardon at nine o'clock and Shannon Liz Reardon said, It's a shame that my opponent's going negative. Uh so it seemed like she just wanted to try to stay on message.
1: Yeah, and look, Campbell was Campbell was able to get this funny combination. If you think about the end, you know, on paper. Andrea Campbell, a former, um, you know, notable candidate for Boston mayor and city yeah. councilor with the support of Maura Healy, among many others. You know, she had Ayanna Presley with her. She had Mark Joe yeah. Kennedy from down here was campaigning for, um, you know, a, a historic figure at first. Like, you know, she had a lot going for her and she was doing well in the polls. And yet she became perceived as the underdog, yes. I think, in some ways because of Liz Reardon's spending. So she got to be already one of the front runners if not maybe in retrospect the front runner yet people perceived her as getting you know beaten up by this woman with unlimited wealth to pour into the race those dynamics i think matter i think sometimes voters do sometimes get suspicious when they feel like that amount of money is being spent um unless someone's really sealing the deal i mean down here in our region people watching on tv would not have known anyone else was running for attorney general
0: right yeah, Except
1: from the
0: TV ads, <laughs> and and uh, and right, and uh, Cam, uh, Campbell. Um, it was largely seen as like a coronation uh, before <laughs> before the last couple of weeks when when that polling, you know, when that the Chandlers Reardon tried to um, tighten up in polling. But the largest leader yeah. in that poll was undecided, which right. is the same thing for the next race we're going to talk about, which is Diana DeSaglio and Chris Dempsey for state <laughs> auditor. Um, that race was Chris Dempsey always had like a two point lead in those polls. Yes. But so so I was like, well, gun to my head, Chris Dempsey, because Dempsey and I've had both of them in studio. I think they're great. Um, But Dempsey had. Uh, you know, Dempsey had the two point lead. He had the support of Mayor Wu. He's from Brookline. I figured the Boston yeah. suburbs would come out. Diana DeZaglio's from Methuen. But I think Diana DeZaglio, and just after sitting with her and see you know, her, her personal story and how she got elected and where you know, the, the, the uh how she climbed, you know, Chris and I keep on saying she she uh, she burned the boats basically because she could have ran for <laughs> Senate and got reelected, but instead she went for a statewide yeah. office. But she's a real force I think in in, in state politics.
1: Yeah, and look, I think some of the same factors we talked about earlier, a, a woman in a year when women are super activated and want to see more women in office. Yeah. Uh, she also had big support from organized labor, yes. uh, if I recall, which, you know, in, in a race that, you know, this was, compared to some of these other races, this was relatively close. This was 54-46. Um, yeah. So, you know, you, you, not too much has to swing for this election, possibly go the other way. I thought Chris Dempsey as well had a strong shot, you know, he's mm-hmm uh fighting hard he had the story around uh no olympics in boston and all of that but he's worked on before thomas patrick but you know i also think it was interesting the polling in this one as you said you know kind of led us astray um or you know at first i say that but on the other hand before the pollsters get upset it is so hard to poll primaries you know marcus there's like People swing so hard because they're not voting, you know, in a general November election, most people generally end up being R or D. So yeah. you don't have these massive swings election to election. In a primary where it's just on names and people don't know a lot, I think you really can have big swings at the last minute, um, and you don't even know why people made the decision. So Diana DeVoglia with a victor on that, and, and, you know, she could be moving on up from there. Though I, I will say Anthony Amore, uh, who's the Republican there, you know, again, it's Pretty tough as a Republican. any big races, But, um, you know, he's got Charlie Baker's support. He's an appealing candidate, too. So interesting to see if he can get get anything going there.
0: He's got Charlie Baker's support. He's got a great resume. You know, he says, I've done auditing. I've done investigations. I've been a watchdog my whole life. And he's, again, Charlie Baker's support. Charlie Baker, I think, for a reason, has only endorsed Amore, only put his weight behind Mm -hmm. Amore in the statewide races because he's Mm -hmm. the only one I think he feels uh, comfortable attaching his name to.
1: And you know, I now how much will Baker wanna campaign for yeah. know, he won't be busy campaigning for governor. He's already said he's gonna stay neutral in that, which is yeah. a statement in and of itself. So yeah. you know, if if Charlie Baker runs around the state with Anthony Amore, hey, you know, that could, that could that could that could be something if if Baker really wants to. But even then to get people to pay attention to auditor and then split their ticket down there, it's gonna take <laughs> some work. But Baker's an X factor, I will say.
0: So uh, we're speaking with Ted Nisi of of, uh, of WPRI. I think that covers the statewide races, unless we miss somebody. But...
1: No, I think you got through it because I'm looking at my AP uh, tack here.
0: <laughs> so um, I do want to talk about, because we kind of had some exchange. Oh, you know unt-
1: what we forgot, Marcus, is that... Bill Gallivan moves on, right? But oh, never, yeah, of course we never say die. That. We forget because he's been around so long we forget he even has to run an election. Yeah, but uh, exactly. in the end, he had no problem with Tanisha Sullivan. Oh,
0: that's one more point I wanted to bring up with Tanisha Sullivan, Quentin Paulfrey, Chris Dempsey. Uh, party con- uh, convention endorsements are a waste of mm-hmm. time. They don't matter. Uh, they clearly don't matter as demonstrated um, by the, uh, the results last night. So um, I want to talk about because we had some exchange on this, um, the Bristol County Sheriff's primary, Mm -hmm. (laughs) because I saw you reach, you know, I guess you'd had some contact with the Bernier campaign. I was talking to Paul Haru's campaign, and, you know, I had said the whole time, I think Paul Haru is the strongest candidate. He's won elections before. You know, I listed a bunch of reasons, those reasons that that ended up being true. Um, But Bernier had initially said to you that at first he was thinking about a recount,
1: yeah, I mean when I co- so when I got on the phone with Nick Bernier last night because I so as you know, Marcus, we um, here uh, is where I'm sitting in Providence, on the other side of the border for where our TV station is. We had our big debate last night yes. with Governor of Rhode Island. Yes. So I finally got out of the hall on that and finished because it was a live broadcast and said, "All right, what's going on in Massachusetts?" And I looked at. Uh, Bristol County Sheriff and we only had incomplete results and, and Hero was down initially in the early returns just because of the order the cities were reporting. So I thought, "How? Oh, where's this going? So I reached out to Bernier and then he he told me he was like, Here's here's the numbers we have, you know, it's not looking good. So I yeah. so we got on the phone and he you know, he, he actually still today has not conceded. Hmm. You know, he's sort of <laughs> acknowledged he lost. <laughs> yeah. But um, he hasn't quite willing to say I concede the race to fall So um you know, so when I talked to him, he said, well, it's either going to be a recount, which he has history with. He had a very close recount 10 years ago for government yes, council. Um, or, you know, it's, I, I lost. And clearly at this point, everyone's called it. It's, it he's lost. Um, but he's not endorsing her, which is an interesting thing. And, you know, probably is going to be a gift to Tom Hodgson, who's going to try to moderate his image a little, I presume, for the general election here, despite his association with Trump because he can now say, well, hey, I, you may not love me, but the other guy is so far to the left that he can't even get his own Democrats to
0: endorse him. That's exactly what's happening. And, um, you know, someone called uh, – someone called, when you, you tweeted that, someone uh, replied under that Nick's a sore loser. And Nick had said, well, Hodgson's moderating his positions. This all seems to stem from the mailer, the infamous mailer mm-hmm. that Haru sent out the day after the primary debate here. Um, he's, I guess – pretty, um, upset about that because I think he had, I, if he had said to you or, or, somebody else, maybe it was in New Bedford light. Oh, at least, at least Tom Hodgson never lied to my face.
1: Yes. He said that to the light. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I think, you know, I, part of me, you know, I, I take candidates at their word. He is very upset that, um, Peru sent load. I would argue is not the most negative mailer I've ever seen. It's and not negative at all.
0: It's a contrast.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. It's just like I've won more. I, I've managed more people. Yeah. People have the right to respect. Their own. But, you know, yeah. took a, Nick took a lot of umbrage at that because he, he felt there had been a promise to basically do no even contrast, I guess, right, let alone negative. And well, oh, a, that was broken. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so now he will not endorse. But, you know, that's that's going to be a for her, I think, Uh if, if hodson makes of but which i too, you know tom hodson is a wily experienced campaigner i doubt he's going to let something like that uh you know be left on the back burner when he's in the first big fight he's had in a oh, long time
0: oh i believe he's already moved in uh on that opportunity so uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. yeah so we're speaking with ted nisi uh wpri ted um uh, before I let you go, you did have a governor's debate in Rhode Island <laughs> last night. Uh, there is uh, an open governor's race. Well, not open. Dan McKee's running for re-election, but he's, I guess, in a little bit of trouble.
1: Yeah, you know, it's a fascinating one, Marcus, down uh, here in Rhode Island, because in. Dan McKee, as people might remember, he inherited the governor's office last year when Gina Raimondo was called to Washington to join President Biden's cabinet in left Rhode Island. So he is the incumbent, as you say, but he's not an incumbent who's ever been elected in his own right. So right. He's running for statewide office for the first time. And his polling numbers have just not been great the whole cycle. He's led uh, in our polls, but only by a couple points. He's never cracked 30 percent support in the Democratic primary, even as the incumbent. He's got a strong challenger in Secretary of State Nellie Gorbea, who's another uh, two-term statewide office holder. And then there's also former CBS executive Helena Folks, who's been, you know, a, a well into third place, I'd say, for most of the race. She's polled in the teens. But all of a sudden, she had a very strong debate performance last night. She had a strong debate performance last week. She's very wealthy and has poured a ton of money into TV commercials. And so at least I will say the others are starting to get a little nervous. You know, could she be taking off fast enough um, that she could pull an upset and somehow pull this out? Nancy Pelosi is actually coming to campaign for her on Sunday. Wow. Helena Fultz. Yeah, because they're old family friends. Uh, wow. <laughs> Pelosi was her was Helena Fultz's mother's college roommate. Um, so she's coming to town. So we're going to have a big six-day battle, I think, in Rhode Island with three people who all think they could win this nomination next
0: in The primaries next week, right? Tuesday, yep. Tuesday,
1: Tuesday. night. Back-to-back. Um, back, uh, it's always funny. You watch, we watch the rest of the country do their primaries and we're just sitting back waiting for ours to get started and all of a sudden very end of the summertime,
0: and it's just back to back to back around here, you know. Hey, is Alan Fung going to win that congressional seat? As, <laughs> is are, is are, uh, is there's Rhode Island going to uh, elect the first federal Republicans uh, since Lincoln Chafee? Well,
1: first of all, always impressed with your Rhode Island knowledge, market So I give <laughs> you props you. on that. Um, you you can beat me uh, on Rhode Island and New Bedford, probably. So uh, you know I. Fung is by far the strongest option the Republicans had, and he had a small lead in a poll back in June, which is the only poll we've seen. Uh, He's raising plenty of money. He's got support from the party nationally. He's got a strong geographic base out of Cranston, where he was mayor. Uh, He's likely to face Seth Magaziner, the general treasurer, who's had a big poll lead. I I guess the question that comes down to for me, Marcus, is we see nationally the uh, Democrats seem to be strengthening a bit when they looked awful back in the winter and early spring, and yeah. that's when Fung got into this race. Right. Back then, it, people were writing off if the Democrats could hold the seat. They said Fung's, you know, popular in that he's going to be fine, and they're going to be a Republican in Congress. Now it's changed a bit. You know, the abortion moving to center stage—that yeah. is not comfortable territory for Fung. Magazineers making hay out of that biden being a bit better maybe some wavering democrats are back so i think that's going to be hard fought through the fall but i certainly think there'll be the threat of a republican winning that seat up to the end the question is if funk can run far enough ahead of the national party um you know can he become a charlie baker type of figure right? right who's not associated with trumpism and therefore can win over democrats and independents he certainly has the background to try it but he's not always distanced himself from Trump in the past. So it's going to be really interesting to watch. This is the second district. So this is the Western half of Rhode Island, Cranston, Warwick, and all the way down to West.
0: Yeah, certainly something to watch out for. Ted, what do you got on newsmakers this week?
1: We are going to do a recap for those who missed our uh, governor's debate uh, last night live. We're going to uh, bring some of the highlights. We had a great pop quiz section that uh, a couple of them flunked, which was interesting to see in the moment live on stage. awesome. And kind of look ahead to what we're going to see in the primary next week. So uh, Tim White and I will have that Sunday morning at 10 a.m. And also, while I'm on, I'll say, Marcus, we're we're actually airing newsmakers at a special time this fall, Fridays, 6.30 p.m. on Fox Providence if people want their – political junkies want to get their fix early we're doing that friday night through the november election
0: that's excellent ted ted nisi wpri he's on tv and uh thanks for joining me ted marcus thanks for having me absolutely that was ted nisi wpri they do great work over there definitely go check that out um and uh we're gonna take a break we'll be back night that was uh, ted nisi from channel 12 wpri um does great work over there of course there's a lot going on in rhode island um but he still keeps up with the massachusetts stuff too it's 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 a lot it's a lot but uh newsmakers is great i actually like to listen to the podcast uh uh sometimes sometimes i just uh, the, the news make every newsmakers episode i recently discovered uh, comes in uh comes on a podcast too, so you can listen to it. Um, uh, him and Tim White do great work. Tim White, we had on uh, a couple week, a few weeks ago, uh, to talk about that um, the biker gang story, which was really interesting. So, uh, definitely love having the uh, WPRI people on the show. Uh, that was Ted Nisi again. Um, so five zero eight nine nine six oh five hundred. I do want to talk about. Uh, and, and speaking of podcasts, I'll get the podcast up from the first hour with DA Tom Quinn. We'll, we'll um, we'll we'll cover that. And I forgot to mention, oh, man, I forgot to mention, I wanted to talk to him about this, but tomorrow, Kim Driscoll and Maura Healy are, you know, the second day into their newly minted uh, gubernatorial ticket, right? Kim Driscoll and Maura Healy are, that's the ticket, Healy-Driscoll. They've already got the sign. I saw the sign. They've already got the Healy-Driscoll sign, right? They're going to be campaigning in New Bedford. They're going to be in New Bedford tomorrow to get the endorsement of Mayor John Mitchell. So after the day after they went to Worcester, right, um, the, which was today, the day after they, they secured the nomination, they went to Worcester, which obviously is important. Western Mass is a big um, enclave of, this, of voters there uh, that people use. Because typically tickets, honestly, uh, gubernatorial tickets a lot of times are like you know, the one from, one from the Boston area and one, you know, the one twenty eight belt, right. And one from Western mass, Tim Murray, uh, mayor of Worcester was Deval Patrick's, uh, running mate. Um, Karen Polito was, uh, I believe is from Shrewsbury, Shrewsbury, which is in the greater Worcester area. So, uh, typically, and even, um, I believe Leah Cole-Allen and Kate Campanelli are both from, the, uh, from, from Western or Central Mass. But uh, Kim Driscoll is obviously more in the North Shore, Greater Boston area, along with, um, with Maury Healy. So the first thing they did was went, go to Worcester. The second thing they're doing is coming to New Bedford. They're going well. They're going to Plymouth and doing a thing with uh, Senator Sue Moran. Then they're coming to New Bedford. Uh, tomorrow afternoon, I'm going to be there. Um, to get the endorsement of uh, New Bedford Mayor John Mitchell. Now, I've talked about this before. I think that when I when I um, when I spoke with Maura Healy on the record, and you can find that that column on wbsm.com. But I know a lot of people are still reading it about Healy's trip to the New Bedford Feast. Uh, she spoke very um, effusively, meaning unrestrained praise effusive means unrestrained praise she spoke with unrestrained praise for mayor mitchell right she said really nice things about him you know called him a steward for offshore wind said he's doing such an excellent job and said you know the 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 people in new bedford uh you know the the, um uh, the spirit you know the everybody's in good spirits here and i think it's because of the work that john mitchell's done so she said really nice things about him and i'd wonder i would wonder if That is, I wonder if that you know they have a they have a great relationship. Clearly, Um, the Attorney General Healy, probably soon to be Governor Healy, and and Mayor John Mitchell, they have a very strong. I think they have a very good relationship, very amicable at the very least. And I wonder what that's going to bring to New Bedford. What that's going to bring for Mayor Mitchell in particular, if she's considering him for you know a member of uh, of his of her of her appointed cabinet something to think about my but she's going to come down to New Bedford. i think it's i think it's significant that on on their second day of the newly minted governor ticket that kim driscoll mayor kim driscoll of salem now the lieutenant governor candidate and Moore healy attorney generals the governor candidate nominee on the democratic side have decided to come down to new bedford come down to the waterfront and get the earn the endorsement of john mitchell i think that's big i think that's big and, you know, it's great that they've made a point to make, make themselves available to us at WBSM. You know, we, t- we spoke with Kim Driscoll in here for an hour and she was awesome. You know, we heard a caller, uh, you know, we heard a caller mention that he had heard Kim Driscoll and, and said that, the, you know, that candidate has earned my vote. And, you know, because she had such incredible depth and I think was just a really impressive... Sort of nonpartisan, right? Uh, seemed, you know she's a Democrat, but seemed, you know nonpartisan um, in her uh, in her policy positions and 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 you know like pragmatism. So that's tomorrow. Um, I'll be there and report on that after and let you guys know you know what I uh, what, what went down, what went down. And tomorrow's also the return of Council Post game. Paul Haru's is going to be calling in at. Paul Heru is going to be calling in at nine o'clock, and what I want to talk about with with him is obviously his pivot to the general election versus Tom Hodgson. But the the, the behavior of Nick Bernier in the last few weeks has been of a candidate absolutely abysmal. It has been so beyond the what is what is and should be expected of a candidate for office, let alone countywide office, let alone sheriff. I mean, Ted Nisi agrees, right, that 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 mailer wasn't negative. So if you've probably heard the story if you're listening, right, but we're just going to recap it again in case you haven't so you don't think I'm being mean. Um, They had a debate here, and they were all really nice. I mean, I think the three of them are are generally nice people, Uh, uh, George McNeil, Nick Bernier, and Paul Haru, right? I think they're... Most, you know, I I think I I think they're all nice people, and they you know want to give back to the community. But they had a debate here; it was really civil and nice. They both played patty cake, but it was a good conversation. And a lot of people really enjoyed the debate. They said we're not going to go negative, and I tried to make them go negative. I asked questions with the intention of making them go negative, and they uh, with each other just to you know throw some jabs at each other, and they didn't. You know, Paul Haru during that debate had drawn some contrast between him and the other candidates. Had said, "Well, you know." I've won elections before I raise money. You know, I've gotten over 700 donations. You only have 160. You only have 60, right? Uh, I've raised over eighty thousand, eighty four thousand $84,000. I have that money on hand. You only have 3000 on hand. You only have 900 on hand, right? So how can you think you can take on Hodgson who has $300,000? as a 25 year incumbent. If you're not raising the money to move your message, Perfectly reasonable question, and they answered the question. You know, George McNeil said, "Oh, I'm self funding." You know, I'd, I wanted to self fund. Dick Bernie said, I've, had, "I've, you know, I've been campaigning. Uh, I've been campaigning. I've been doing the campaign work a lot, and not focusing on fundraising. But I think the money's going to come in in the general election." Um, but Haru was just making. He was separating himself from. You know, he was there the whole time making the contrast between him and the candidates because it's a primary, because it's an election. Because people need to choose between you or the other two people. So you need to tell them why they need to choose you if you want to win an election. And he did that. And guess what? He won the election. But Bernier then, you know, called into my show. I invited him on the program because I I wanted to be fair to him. I I, I think Nick's a good guy. I wanted to be fair to him and said, uh, you know, what's your beef? What's the deal, right? And he, you know, he said, I don't know. He was, because he sent out this press release that Haru's broken promises and how he abandoned his voters in Attleboro by running for another office while he's in office. Now the returns last night show that Haru got 2,500 votes in Attleboro and Nick Bernier got 500 votes in Attleboro. So Haru beat Bernier by five times the amount of votes in Attleboro. But apparently according to him, the voters abandoned him, right? I mean, he abandoned the voters, they don't seem to be mad about it. They keep voting for him in, in, in overwhelming numbers. Anyway, so <laughs> any, anyway, so he then makes fun of Paul Haru for being single on my show, saying I can relate more to the people in the county than a, a, a 45-year-old never-married guy who lives alone because I have a daughter, and that makes me more relatable. Okay, uh, which I thought was a crappy thing to say. Again, you know, the two... The two hosts of this show are are single, never married people without kids. uh, Doesn't make us any less successful or relatable. We're all people. We all have problems. We all have things that we can relate to people with, besides our ability to breed and our marital status. So uh, I thought it was a crappy thing to say. Really didn't like it. And then he went on to say, and then he, and then after he lost, first he was talking about a recount, but now he's hinting at the, now he's hinting at a potential endorsement of Tom Hodgson. He's hinted at it. He's almost outright said it, right? That he goes, well, at least Tom Hodge has never lied to my face. And he's also said that Haru went too far left. When? When did he go too far left? In between the time that you said you'd support him if he won on my debate and you know, the day after when he sent that mailer, you didn't like. When did he go to left? It doesn't make any sense. Five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. Let's go to the phones. Good evening. Hey, Marcus. Hey, Pat. What's up? I'm gonna listen, but I'm just checking in now. I
1: just wanted to say um, I'm happy with yesterday. I did. I did uh, vote for Andrea. I voted for Aiden. Um, and I, um, well, obviously I can't vote in your local election, but yeah. I voted for Mara. But I guess she was expected to win. Mm-hmm. To I'm happy, but do you um? Are you surprised Andrea Campbell beat the big shot up? I wish I knew her name. I with the. Uh, Shannon and of no, no of I'm, 20 I'm 20. not.
0: No, I'm not surprised, and here's why. I mean, she was. When she first got uh when she first announced she was gonna run, she had a really heavy polling lead. Uh she's got yeah. the most name ID and she's got the most name ID in Boston where you were voting in Suffolk County. And that's yeah. where all the votes really not all the votes, but that's where a ton of votes are. And so she already yeah. had the name ID for running for mayor and being Boston City Council president. She got the support of Healey. And then she, yeah. you know, even though Shane Lis Ridden was spending money and closing the polling lead on the day of the elections. Campbell opened uh, had a uh, eight point polling lead in a poll that had been released that day. So she she had still maintained a steady lead. She still had the most name ID um, in you know in the areas that you really need to turn out for, and she had more Healy behind her. So I had said last night, gun to my head, Andrea Campbell's going to win that election. I did not expect it to be by yeah. this much. I you know double wow. digit points. But uh, no, I'm not surprised. Again, until a couple weeks ago, it was largely seen as like a coronation, like she was going to win. So I'm not surprised.
1: Well, I checked in when you were talking about the sheriff's race. So I will hang up and I will be listening because I'm excited to hear uh, what you got to say.
0: Okay, thanks, Pat. Appreciate it. Hey, So um, I actually got to take a break and then we'll um, we'll continue our conversation with the sheriff's race. 1420 WBS. Marcus, Chris will be back Friday. Yeah, so Bernier had basically put out a statement and said he's not going to endorse uh, Paul Haru because he went too far left, which, um, again, on August 17th here in studio, he committed to supporting him. He agreed that the number one mission of the Democrats, uh, the de- Democratic nominee or the Democratic par- primary is to find the candidate who can best beat Hodgson. And after he lost, he then went on to blame the voters, and which is always the mark of, somebody who is a sore loser if you go on to blame the voters and say i think they just gave tom hodgson another six years that's the mark of a sore loser that is a that is a sore loser thing to say i've heard it dozens of times before and i've heard it from people who have lost right and are and are upset about losing right i didn't think that was a nice thing to say to to then to you know to then you know take a dump on your voters after you lost an election it's. I mean, what message does it send to you about a candidate? I think Nick. You know, Nick could have taken some good things out of this primary. He could have saw in his his strong returns in Fall River and said, Hmm, maybe I should run for city council. Right? Hmm, I won a Fall River by a thousand votes over Haru and uh in McNeil. I got twenty five hundred votes in a cont- in a three way contested county primary. Maybe I should run for city council because the votes are there. There's certainly probably fewer votes than what are gonna that's probably more votes than you're going to need in a in a, in a in a municipal election but instead he just decided to sulk and pout and say haru went too far left and then basically endorse hodgson so what was the pro- point of the primary if you were going to just endorse hodgson when you lost it doesn't make any sense and it's a sore loser crybaby attitude it is and I you know, again, I, I've I've had Nick on, I've I've talked to Nick a bunch. I think he's a good guy who's done a lot of work in the community, but the way he's behaving after this loss is just it is it's childish and immature. It's not becoming of a candidate. You just look like a baby when you do that stuff. You do. You look like a baby. Did you want to beat Tom Hodgson? Did you think that the people in Tom Hodgson's custody deserved a better sheriff? Was that your opinion? Or did you just want to be the nominee? Because with that reaction to losing, it sounded like the latter. It sounded like it's not about the people who were in Tom Hodgson's custody, it sounded like it was about yourself. 508 996 0500 is how you can get in the program. let take a break. We'll be right back. 1420 WBS. One more call in. Good evening. Marcus, how are you, buddy? Hey, Barry, what's up?
1: Uh, too much. Marcus, I'm just wondering if you voted in person yesterday, and, and I don't know if this came up, but it was, a, it was confusing for us down at Watch 6 because the Democratic ballot, the top of it was red, and on the Republican ballot, the top of it was blue. Interesting. And it created a lot of confusion. Did, did, did you guys talk about this yesterday, Marcus?
0: No, I mean, I voted in person uh, early voting. Um, I, didn't, I, I, did know, I think I did notice it was red, but I, 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 I don't know. What that's attributed to, I don't know why the the I don't know how or why they color their ballots in uh, the com- secretary of the Commonwealth's office. I think if you you know, so
1: it would it would have been Bill Galvin's office.
0: Yeah, it's Bill Galvin's it's, office. They're the ones that print the ballots and send them out. There's real control of that.
1: They could have picked two other different colors, but to assign to the Democratic ballot, the well, a red. Well, he's he's, he's been office. he's
0: been resoundingly basically re-elected. So you know you've got a you've yeah. got a few years to lobby uh, lobby him for that for that change.